cutting edge revolutionary technology out there, uh, specifically narrow and wide web printers. A myth right now is that really high quality print is gonna be some kind of a litho. Yeah, I love this show, man. So we have a lot of new products. How kids have a career path, tremendous opportunities for them to grow through their career path. To me, it's a game changer. Welcome to Ink and Updates, your touch point for the flexographic industry. Stay informed about industry news and advertise your business or service to the community. Welcome to Ink and Updates, the podcast brought to you by Interactive Inks and Coatings. I'm your host, Craig Tenorla, and with me is, of course, Tom Brennan over there. Hey, how we doing? Today, I'm doing great because we are sponsored by InfoFlex, and we're here in New Orleans. InfoFlex 2019. Oh, it's really beautiful. And uh, we're actually getting started here. The uh, guests have not been let in, but we're lucky enough to be sitting down with John Kokowski. Please introduce yourself a little bit and talk about uh, yourself and your company. Hey, it's good to see you guys again. This is John Kalkowski, and I'm the editor of Flexible Packaging Magazine and the program director for the upcoming Global Pouch Forum. Great to be here in New Orleans. La le bon temps rouler. Oh, how about, oh, hey, how about that? French coming in? <laughs> you <laughs> you let the good times that. roll, guys. <laughs> <laughs> good times roll. I like that. We had some good times last night, for sure. Uh, the food has been excellent. The entertainment, the music has been fantastic. Uh, but now it's time to go back to work, right? So, yeah, back to work. Uh, you have the Global Pouch Forum coming up in Rosemont, Illinois, June 11th through the 13th this year. And so, uh, you know, the, you're the editor, right, of yes. a Flexible uh, Packaging Magazine. So why don't you tell us, like, what what this forum's about for, for you know, our customers who don't know. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of printing in the Chicagoland area. There's a lot of pouches being made. I've seen pouches uh, that uh, are really used for non-alcoholic and alcoholic beverages uh, combined all together. And so uh, maybe you could talk about what's going to be happening at the Global uh, Pouch Forum. Yeah, the Global Pouch Forum has uh, been around, uh, I think this is our 23rd year now. And uh, it is the longest running and the largest uh, flexible packaging conference in the country. And uh, for the last several years, we've had it down in, in Florida, in Miami, Florida. But frankly, the conference has grown to the point where we couldn't find a place that could handle the size. Wow. So uh, we also thought that it might be good to move it to Rosemont in the Chicago area because, frankly, you know, that's kind of the center of the converting and packaging industry. Well, we'd love to hear that, yeah, <laughs> for sure. So uh, I think it's already paying off. We're uh, getting a lot of folks who are interested in attending, and I, I think the uh, conference is going to be growing this year. Okay, so what could somebody expect, you know, if they're, uh, uh, they're thinking about going? What, I mean, what, what would they expect to get out of it? Well, uh, there's several uh, things that uh, they would be able to see. First of all, our educational program, I think, is, is very strong. Uh, we have uh, some of the uh, top uh, designers of, of very innovative, flexible packaging that will be talking about how they put together their projects, and I'll go into a little more detail on that. Uh, we will be talking a lot about innovation and sustainability. You know, uh, I'm working on an article right now for Flexible Packaging Magazine about innovations in flexible packaging. And one of the persons that I talked to was David Lutenberger with Mintel. Uh, he's in charge of uh, uh, watching or packaging research for okay. the industry. And David said that one of the things that is really driving 
innovation in flexible packaging is sustainability. Almost everywhere you look, there are developments, and so many of them are now related to sustainability. Well, sure. So, we, I mean, we've talked about this several times, even on this on this podcast, about the ocean of plastic that we have, uh, you know, floating out there in the Pacific. So big, it's almost as big as the state of Texas right now. And you know, we could we could make the argument about what country's providing uh, the most of that garbage out there, but the reality of it is, it doesn't matter. We all live here together, right? Right. So, uh, when you're talking about packaging and how a products Hey, it's got to sit on the shelf. It's got to make it through the, syst- the shipping system. It has to be appealing to the customer, and we want it to biodegrade. Biodegrade. That's. I mean, that's a big ask, right? That is a big ask. We were when we were looking into this a little while ago. I think they were up to like 27 percent of renewable product within the plastic at this point. Is that is that close to correct? Well, it depends upon you know what, what you're talking about. Uh, certainly, more companies are wanting to use post-consumer recycled plastic uh, in their products. In fact, something on the order of 350 companies have now signed on to the uh, the goal of making their packaging uh, either recyclable, compostable uh, by year 2025. Okay. And frankly, right now, the system isn't set up to handle that. We've got a lot of challenges so, ahead so, of us. Right, so trying to solve one problem created a whole, a whole oh, it's create a bunch of problems. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, looking at my Dasani water bottle right here. It says uh, up to 30% made from plants, 100% recyclable. So we're at 30% made from plants at this point. I guess that's up from... That's great, but that is not standard. So uh, it's good to see that companies like, I think this is a Dasani, and that's a Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola product, yep. and they are certainly among the leaders that are looking to uh, to do use plant content. Uh, I've seen other products. Uh, one of the companies that's going to be speaking at the Global Pouch Forum is Biologic. They have a new starch-based uh, additive that can make most plastics marine degradable, okay. uh, which is is something that's pretty unique. So we've seen that with the, so, with the so, salt. Wait, salt. I'm sorry, not to cut you. Is that, was that what you are talking about by marine? Is that Salt water that, that biodegrades it, not fresh water? It can, it, it can degrade in either of those. And, okay. and this is something that's a little bit unusual because many of the plastic products or, or the biodegradable products that people are, are touting these days, they'll only degrade, say, in a commercial landfill or sure. compostable uh, landfill. So, uh, right, so you don't want to throw it in your garden out back of your house. Right? No. And, in fact, <laughs> your most, wife will be yelling at you. <laughs> many of the plastics that... <laughs> people say are compostable, are only degradable in commercial composting facilities. Well, that could pack around to training the, uh, the consumers a little bit then, so you understand what you're purchasing and you understand the differences between the two products. If there's going to be one that's compostable and one that's biodegradable based on the marine... That know. is exactly one of the biggest challenges that our industry is facing yes. these days. It's not only do we have the technology to make the products degrade, biodegradable or to make them recyclable, but how do we educate the public? You know, many of the communities have these uh, single stream recycling processes. Everybody throws everything into one container and yeah. then it has to be sorted, right? Right. That's, right. that's the way it is at my house. Yeah. With, well, with, there's, a, there's a very short list of the things that you can't put in there. And then there's a list of all the things, and it's everything. Right. I mean, and it's just like, okay, so sure. now you got to sort all this. Who's doing that? How do you manage that? 
well, we used to ship everything to China. You know? Yeah, they're really mad. They're really <laughs> mad at us right now. <laughs> Just ship it to them and let them handle it. Yeah, but now since they instituted the National Sword Initiative and they're not accepting a lot of it, and and the whole reason for that was because there was too much contamination in the products that we were sending them. Right. So it's like your pizza box at the house. Yeah. It's recyclable until you put a pizza in it, yeah. and then once the grease is on it, they don't want it. It's junk. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, so you know that's one of the big challenges. So how does our industry not only conquer this technologically but how do we educate the public about it so is that something that the flexible packaging magazine or are you are you working with people to help i mean streamline that process and or put together like a think tank of people and say we really need to get our symbols down to uh i mean quite frankly my mom at the house she's trying to save the world one paper plate at a time okay just that's what she's trying to do and god bless her for that I mean, she doesn't know what the difference between sustainable, compostable, post-consumer product, exactly, plant material, any of that stuff, right? Well, uh, you know, there's a lot of efforts that are going on out there. Like the uh, Sustainable Packaging Coalition has their How to Recycle label. Okay, a lot of right. companies are starting to sign on to that these days. Uh, and that's an important element in teaching people what is recyclable. Uh, you know, sometimes... The resin may be recyclable in one form of packaging, but not in another because the MRFs or the municipal recycling facilities, they just can't handle it. Mm -hmm. And then you have other factors that you're looking at. For instance, let's say you're looking at a a flexible package that's made out of uh, paper or laminated structures. Uh, You you might have a PET uh, layer, you might have a paper layer. All of those are recyclable but they're not recyclable together. And then you have to look at, are the inks and the coatings recyclable? And right. how do they affect the process? So what's, um, what's available in the flexible market that's the new up and coming technology as far as flexible packaging goes, maybe shrinkable films? Um, is there recyclable options out there today for customers? You know, uh, one of the big things that people are uh, looking at are single polymer, uh, single polymer uh, packages. Uh, that have good barrier qualities, that have long shelf life. Many flexible packaging uh, products are made with laminated structures that could have up to seven layers in them. Frankly, they can't be recycled because there are so many different layers. So you have you would have to separate the individual layers if you're going to if you're going to, and you, no one's going to do that. And you can't. And you can't. Yeah. So the idea of having a single polymer uh, uh, package is pretty exciting, but you have to make sure that you're going to be able to have the shelf life uh, for the product. And uh, then you also have to then educate the uh, recycling companies and the public that those can be put through the process of recycling. So are there any single polymers available right now? Yeah, you're seeing some things that are being done with PET and other polymers. uh, And uh, there's some advances being made in, in those areas. A lot of companies, uh, we'll have a couple of companies that will be talking about that uh, at the Global Pouch Forum, too. Okay. And also uh, several companies uh, that uh, uh, we have a panel that uh, is based on companies that handle recycling. And they're going to be addressing the problems. And is that 2025 goal that people have been talking about, is that realistic? Can we do it? So you're, so let me get this straight. So you're going you're gonna to get the, the brand owners, the guys that are making 
the packaging in the same room with the recycling people. Yeah. This, exactly. sounds, this sounds like an MMA fight in the, in, in, in the making right here. Three should, rounds, be could, there. We could, yeah, right, we could, we could sell this on pay-per-view. But one of the things that's, that is happening is that you are seeing a lot more collaboration between packaging companies, the suppliers, the converters, the brand owners. They all recognize that they have to do something because the consumer demands it and the retailers are demanding it. Well, I mean, here, I mean, in fairness, I think, I think consumers are going to say, you know, especially ones who are eco-friendly minded are not going to buy your product, right? So we, when somebody at Coca-Cola hears, you know, I'm not going to buy your product because it doesn't come in a container that is recyclable, that's, that's a big deal. It is a big deal, and a growing percentage of the consumer population is being very outspoken in this regard, especially millennials and uh, Gen Zs. Sure. Can you, you explain know, what Gen Z is to me? Gen Z is, is essentially... Who are they? Who, yeah. are, those people? <laughs> who are those people? <laughs> I think it, the definition for Gen Zs, uh, the millennials... Uh, Millennials go, are like 82 or 83, right? Yeah, they, they go from 23, 23 years old up to about 35 or so. Okay. And then below that are Gen Zs. But a lot of the people who are 18 and under, they have a social conscience. They want to make sure that they're doing the right thing. They want to be involved in stuff. And right. this they're is part of They're willing to spend a little bit more money to get a recyclable product. I think they're and willing to spend more of their parents' money. That's well, that's, 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 a whole, that's a different podcast. That sounds that's accurate. Sure. <laughs> well, so either way, but they're willing to purchase things. They're willing to go out of their way to purchase things that they feel are eco-friendly. Yeah, they'll, they'll look for right. a product. They'll look for it. And it, so it's both the product and the packaging. Well, you know, look, I remember you go buy the Coca-Cola at the store. You poured the product into your glass and you took the bottles back to, back to the store you know, you got 10 cents a bottle or whatever it was. I mean, we were way ahead of our times, you know, as far as uh, recycling goes. Class is great. Yeah, we went from uh, very green to uh, right. very easy, and now we're trying to go back to very green again. But you're not going to have the horses walking around dropping off your milk jug at your counter every time. Yeah. That's what my grandmother always had to do. Hey, Drive you know, around. one of the things that, that's exciting about flexible packaging, we were talking a little bit about innovation in there. Yeah is that so many of the brands like it because, frankly, it uses a lot less material, number one. It costs less than some of the other forms of packaging. Right. But you really have a billboard effect in, in how you can talk about your brand and everything. And, and so colors and, and, and being able to print uh, and get so much more information on the package. And then there's some exciting stuff happening with things like coatings, uh, Making the package more tactile so you can feel a matte oh, surface. Oh, sure. That's or... the biggest thing right now is matte and soft feel coatings. Exactly. And uh, soft feel is everything pretty much technical. It has a soft feel coating on it. If you go and buy anything, a new phone, uh, anything like that, the box has a soft feel coating on it, and it's paired side by side with a high gloss coating. And that's that's what everything is now, and that's like the biggest thing. Those contrasts are amazing, aren't they? They are cool. They make great packages, and they feel I mean, they're just nice to touch and hold, and they feel high. They feel like an expensive, high-class product, even if it's, you know, something that costs five bucks. Yep, exactly. And, well, um, I think part of that is, as we move more and more towards ordering products online, right? The brand owners want, for sure, that when you get their product at your house, 
they want they still want you to feel the experience of opening it, you know, feeling the package, feel, you know, feeling how it the outside of the package and all that because you know, odds are things are coming via you know Amazon, right? That exactly. It's coming in the smiley box. So brand owners are concerned about them forgetting who they bought it from. They want, once you open up the brown box with the smiley face on it, that you are back to their experience of this is our product, this is how our package looks, this is how it feels, and it's eco-friendly, sustainable. It's all part of the game, right? Well, Amazon's doing some pretty amazing things in, in those areas, too. Of course, they want to limit the cost of the packaging. They want to make sure that their product gets delivered undamaged. Sure. So they have really... Uh, put out some new guidelines. They're going to be penalizing companies that don't do a good job with their packaging. That starts in just a few months. Wow, there you go. Here it comes. But for a lot of the products, they are allowing, if it's a, a larger product that's being shipped, they don't want to put it in their own box. They'll just allow the brand to ship it okay. in a box that's theirs, for okay. instance. So, yeah, there's lots of opportunities. But even in things like flexible packaging, again, that is ideally suited uh, for e-commerce because it's less likely to break than, say, a glass product or, or maybe even some of the rigid plastics. Yeah, we've actually done some experimenting uh, with flexible packaging, even for our own products, just kind of you know, filling them up and throwing them around the room just to see if they, they would make it through the system. Quite They're definitely UPS-proof, so there's some benefits to it. I don't know if it comes down to uh, something that we could use in our particular industry and by ink and manufacturing and shipping and things like that, but uh, I see it growing in oils, like uh, pretty much like if you go to AutoZone and things like that, those type of products. Exactly. Incredible for that. Now, so here, I mean, I just happen to have uh, the flexible packaging, flexible packaging magazine right in front of us, the April edition, and we happen to have, uh, uh, looks like a student-run uh, uh competition yes right first probably from some colleges right mm -hmm. and to the number place high honors is a uh, combined facial mask slash facial moisturizer flexible packaging they go they both have spouts on them or looks like a, maybe it could be a spray yes but it's a great look i mean this is a great looking um item for you know my wife at the house was like she's got bottles everywhere and now we're putting two bottles into one package yeah. yeah, being able to combine two different uh, products into one single product is a big thing now with the, the possibility of having two or even three connected flexible packages. And you're starting to see a lot more different types of fitments and closures. Uh, the stand cap uh, type of uh, closures are a big thing now where you get uh, uh, pouches or tubes that stand on their head so that when you squeeze, say, your ketchup or your mayonnaise out of them, right. it's a lot easier to do. Sure, yeah. Uh, and you see that in a lot of different types of products. So it's exciting to see that even in the packaging schools, the kids are catching on to this right away. Yeah, I mean, uh, the number one team to win here looks like the University of Wisconsin. And uh, the second team looks like it's from San Jose State University, yeah. right? So both ends of the... Other, other country here, kids are getting involved in this, and um, they look great. Yeah. You know, it's exciting to see how many uh, people are going into packaging these days at, at the different packaging schools, uh, whether it's Michigan State, Clemson, San Jose State, uh, up in Wisconsin. 
there's a lot of them, and surprisingly, a lot of them are female students. That's fantastic. Yeah, we had Clemson sit down with us uh, at uh, Label Expo in 2018, and they were they were female, and they were very excited. They're up and coming out of Clemson. I'm looking at Clemson right over here, and I don't. It's just as far as innovations go, they have a VR set. I don't know if you saw that yet. Yes. Yeah. So they're now teaching with VR, which is incredibly awesome. I mean, just I'm gonna have to go over there and talk to them in a minute. And see right. So for some of the people. Who probably don't know what VR is? Virtual reality. They have a oh, big old headset, and I guess I, I don't. I haven't done it yet, but it looks like what you do is you put the headset on it, and you uh, you can basically run a printing press or uh, things like that, and it's supposed to basically be like doing the job. They do some amazing work at Clemson. I work with uh, Dr. Andrew Hurley quite a bit there. He's one of the professors, and they set up virtual stores, and they use VR and uh, other types of uh, technology for eye tracking to see oh, wow. how the packaging design and where it's placed and all of these things, how they affect Right, how do you catch consumers', consumers attention, right? Exactly. That's very cool. That's like a marketer's dream, right? Because <laughs> yeah. it was always about eye level, right? right? That was, that's the big space at the, at the that's grocery That's the expensive store. stuff at Walmart, right? The expensive Top shelf, bottom shelf, blah, blah, blah. But if you, I mean, if you really could come up with a package that catches somebody's eye on the lower level, now yeah. you're paying less rent and still getting the same exposure. Well, they actually have a store set up, a store uh, scenario, and people come in and they have, you know, they check, uh, check consumers and see how they react to these things. So their clients, uh, a lot of big uh, brand owners, come in and they ask them to do these studies and they see what's happening when they're designing their packaging. It's all science-based. And if you ever get a chance to hear Dr. Andrew Hurley, he's an amazing speaker. Okay. Dr. Andrew Hurley. I'll, I'll write it down. Maybe we just get him to come on the show. That'd be great. That would be awesome. So you had mentioned, you pricked up my ears a little bit, you had said uh, innovations in ink chemistry or something along those lines? Yeah, you know, again, a, a lot of this is related to sustainability. Uh, Many companies are concerned about the types of inks that they're using on their packaging. Uh, they want to make sure it can be recyclable, that it, it's not going to have a lot of heavy metals and things in that might affect the environment. Uh, and they're going to want to make sure that it's uh, not migrating through the packaging. Right. So we're talking about water-based ink over UV. Yeah. Like that, basically. And the big thing, I think they're starting to, the industry starting to call it natural Based inks. That's fine. That's our next. That's called brand. water. No worries. <laughs> that's natural. It doesn't get any more natural that's, than water. That's, that's right. right. But how are you going to be able to keep the uh, the densities and the saturation and everything that you want? So uh, the industry, ink industry too, has a challenge ahead of itself, uh, and uh, making sure that they can provide all of this. So um, I think I would be uh, remiss if I didn't bring up the growing growing market of cannabis products. Uh, out in the uh, out in the marketplace, and everything from we'll just say biscuits and cupcakes to to uh, candies and oils and things like that, right? So, how have you seen had any discussions about that? With I thought you were going to ask if I had any of the product. No, 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 no. well, yeah, well, that, that's for after the that's, show. That's after the show. <laughs> I can I can bring you to a place over here on Bourbon Street that I think we can probably get some. Uh, but just some of the labeling challenges, maybe, or yeah, uh, I mean. Everybody is excited about this market because it's burgeoning, and there's, uh, you know, there's a few states 
I think four or five states that have actually approved uh, recreational use. Uh, all but I think 15 states have uh, approved uh, medicinal uses of cannabis. Uh, but there's a lot of restrictions. Uh, as long as the federal government is not recognizing it as a right, legal product, uh, there's no real common denominator. Across each one of these markets, the restrictions on the packaging are quite different. You always have to have uh, a child resistance. Uh, you're expected to, uh, child resistance is a big one, a lot of times the package has to be opaque so you can't see into it. Oh, okay. Uh, and that varies from state to state, And right? it varies from state to state. So whether you're a design agency or whether you're a packaging Nightmare. Nightmare. Uh, company, a supplier, they have a lot of different challenges in front of them. But almost everywhere you're seeing new cannabis conferences coming up. Right. Uh, even at the BNP Media, where I work, we have produced uh, several supplements in, for uh, the industry and talking about packaging and talking about uh, agents that are used in flavorings and these types of things. So there's a huge opportunity out there and people are really excited. About oh, no, everybody, I mean, everybody's really excited about it. I like it. the investment opportunity personally. Because you know, you get into the game right now, the investment opportunities are crazy. All the states are jumping on board. The amount of revenue, you know, and there's only, a lot of the states only have a couple companies that are allowed to do it. Exactly. So it's like, okay, we'll find him. He's publicly traded. Bye, bye, bye. You know, it's wait. <laughs> you have a few companies that are out there. Uh, you know, I can think of Sana, uh, Kushko, right. some of these companies. I think Kinsella uh, Brands or. Constellation Brands, I think yeah. they got into it really big. Or yeah, well, are moving either, that way. all the beverage companies, even some of the beer companies, are looking at making uh, infused yeah. products. So, yeah. uh, I think I saw—I can't remember if it was Pepsi or Coca-Cola. Uh, one of them was also looking at starting an infused, uh, yeah. a THC or CBD infused product. Well, we could probably do a whole show just on, on that, yeah, that well, subject we, alone. You could probably do many shows many on this. Shows. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> is there anything else specifically you want to talk about? Well, I would just uh, remind people that the uh, Global Pouch Forum is coming up June 11th to the 13th in Rosemont, Illinois. We have a good educational program. There will be about 80 exhibitors there. And if anybody is really interested in flexible packaging, this is the best place, I think, to uh, network with peers in your industry. Yeah. So. Go to globalpouch.com. Oh, I'm sorry, globalpouchforum.com, and uh, hopefully we'll see you there. Okay, right. absolutely. So, guys, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, we're going to go ahead and put that web address uh, on the page of the podcast so you can find it easily. Just and uh, everything you need to know will be there. Good to see you, John. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Thank you, guys. All right.